Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of this show. This is a very exciting episode for me to tape. This is actually our 10th episode of Season 7, and our theme this season is Congenital Heart Defects Around the Globe. Today's show is CHDs Around the Globe, Costa Rica. Today's show has a very special guest, a pediatric cardiologist, Dr. Armando Alfaro Ramirez, and I am so happy that he has been able to come on the show today. He is not only doing this show in English, but he will also be doing the same show in Spanish for our Spanish-speaking friends. As a member of the Heart Defect community, I sometimes get to attend different conferences that deal with congenital heart defects, and in December 2015, I went to Miami and had a chance to meet with I'm going to call him Armando because it's so much easier and he's given me permission. So I had a chance to meet with this fabulous electrophysiologist, pediatric cardiologist, all around fabulous man, Armando Alfaro Ramirez. And so he has agreed to come on the show today. Dr. Armando Alfaro Ramirez is the first pediatric electrophysiologist in Costa Rica. He trained in Toronto, Canada, and is a member of Paces Heart and Rhythm Society and American Academy of Pediatrics. He worked in a hospital nacional de niños of Costa Rica and also has a private practice with two different offices in San Jose, Costa Rica, serving patients since 2005. He is married to a pediatrician, and they have three children, Lucia, Alejandro, and Esteban. And Dr. Alfaro Ramirez has a pacemaker clinic where he implants devices and did the first ablations on children in his country since 2009. Armando participates in a band of physicians from all over the world called the Baby Blue Sound Collective. He plays electric and acoustic guitar. All of the records and presentations raise money for CHD foundations. They play classic rock, blues, and jazz. Additionally, he has worked with Surgeons of Hope and Heart Trust in his country in order to make their cardiac program even better. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna Armando. Hello, Anna. Thank you so much for introducing me that way. I'm very happy to be here with you today. I'm more than happy. I'm honored to be your guest today. It's great to be here. Thank you for your invitation, and I'll be happy to share a couple of minutes with you here. Well, fabulous. I have so many questions, as you already know. And one of the first questions I have is, what is healthcare like? in Costa Rica, and what are the biggest challenges that families of children with heart defects face in your country? 
Okay, so my country is a little bit different to some other countries in Latin America and of course it's very different to the healthcare system in the United States. The health system in Costa Rica is socialized, it's a social system and it's paid by pretty much everybody. So employees, employers and of course the government. So there are different levels of attention, starting from basic attention in the neighborhoods and in the small towns. And also, you can have other types or levels of attention, including to have central hospitals or central clinics or class A centers. Our population is almost 5 million people. And they are supposed to have access to health care. So we're supposed to give almost to 100% of the population health care access. We are seven pediatric cardiologists in our hospital. Only one of them is part-time. The others, we have full-time there working in the Children's Hospital of Costa Rica. There is only one children's hospital in Costa Rica. There is another pediatric cardiologist also in the community, one hour north away from San Jose. We all do general pediatric cardiology, but two of those guys are interventional cardiologists. Three of them are fetal echo cardiologists, and we have an electrophysiologist. It would be me. And we also have private practice. So some of us will have also an office outside of this system that we have, and we go to those offices during the afternoons or in the evenings. So that's pretty much the health system. In terms of the second part of the question, the biggest challenge that I feel that people have here in Costa Rica are two. One is money. Some of our population, they don't have all the money that they want. And moving from outside of the country, from the distant parts of the country, to get access to more specialized centers is difficult for them in terms of money and distance. And also because we are 5 million people and only one pediatric cardiology center, we have waiting lists. I will say that those will be the problems that people here will be facing, the most important ones. Right. And that's the same kind of problem I hear from a lot of different parents when you are dealing with socialized medicine is that they take the most urgent cases. So if you have a case and it's not terribly urgent, you might have to wait longer than if you had private insurance. Do people in your country also have the option to have some private insurance? Yes, of course. As you mentioned, some people is taking new insurance and new companies coming from outside of Costa Rica are getting here because we have also private practice. So some people is taking private insurance. So in my case, I do have one for my family, just in case that I don't have access to the time that I need. But yes, and some other people won't have any other insurance and they will be paying by their own money for a consult or to have access to a consultation. Yeah, I can see where those could all be real problems, especially the distance. It sounds like possibly not everybody has a car. Exactly. Public transportation may not be easily accessible to everybody. Is that true? That is correct. In terms of distances, you might be asking what Armando is talking about. They live in a very small country and they should be able to go everywhere. But no, I mean, people sometimes can be living not in the central towns. They might be living very far away from the principal towns and getting there for them is difficult. Public transportation is really bad. And the roads are not like in the United States, are not that bad, but they're not that good neither. So, yeah, not many people have their own car here. And as you mentioned, it's expensive for some of these people. 
to get where they need to go. Okay, so let's talk about you and your profession. And you say you're the first electrophysiologist in Costa Rica. So what happened to children who needed the care of an electrophysiologist before you were practicing in Costa Rica? That's a great question. Electrophysiology is a subspecialty of cardiology and is intended to deal with the heart rhythm problems specifically. So it's a pretty new specialty in cardiology. Let's say that in children, probably it started like 25 years ago or so. At that time in Costa Rica, we had probably five to six pediatric cardiologists by then, and they used to be treated medically. They didn't have any access to intervention, ablations, or more specific treatment for arrhythmia or heart rhythm issues. So I remember that when I arrived coming from Canada in 2009, I had a waiting list for ablations and for kids who needed a different treatment for their arrhythmias. I remembered around 50 to 60 patients that I needed to see urgently. And some of them, they become adults and they went to other hospitals to be treated. We started to have electrophysiologists in the adult facilities in the late 90s. So some of those kids, they were referred to another facility and they had access to an electrophysiologist. Okay, but as we know, children are not little adults. They really are different, and so it really does take a specialist like you to understand the nuances of working with children who are born with congenital heart defects versus, I'm sure, most of the cardiologists who are electrophysiologists are used to acquired heart defects. Wouldn't that be true? That is correct. That is correct. It's not the same, and we improved, along with my colleagues in Costa Rica, the treatment of these kids and the attention that they used to have. So now we have a very specific clinic for pacemaker kids, we have a clinic for arrhythmia kids, we have a separate day for implanting pacemakers, we have a different day for ablations. So it's getting better. It started really, really slow, but it's getting better and better every day. That's wonderful. So how many people in your country actually have heart defects? We will have around 550 kids every year with congenital heart disease. So it's interesting because it's pretty much the same statistic that we have here as the reported in the different places. So it's around eight new cases with congenital heart disease for every thousand newborns every year. So it's pretty close to United States. Okay. Most of our babies with congenital heart disease are diagnosed in the neonatal period, not in the fetal time. So most of them are born in different hospitals or maternity facilities. And it's very frequent for us to receive calls from those centers and to coordinate the transfer of these kids for us to see them. So most of the new diagnoses are made in this way. Okay, that's really good to know. We need to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet because coming up next, we're going to talk to Armando about becoming a doctor and why he chose to study pediatric cardiology when we return after this commercial break. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. 
Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is CHDs Around the Globe, Costa Rica, and we are talking with Dr. Armando Alfaro Ramirez, and he is a pediatric cardiologist and electrophysiologist practicing in Costa Rica. Dr. Alfaro, tell us why you decided to study pediatric cardiology. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. I'm not sure why, but somebody told me once that the pediatricians, we are probably the first or the only professional who is completely decided to be a pediatrician when they are very young. And I remember that I really wanted to be a pediatrician, probably because my mom is a social worker. So I used to go to the hospital with her many times. And I remember that I used to see the doctor as a very important person in terms of making people feel better, especially the kids. I had this amazing pediatrician, Dr. Aguilar, who was great with me, and I started to look at him more like a role model because I really liked science. During my school and my high school, probably it was easy for me to decide to go for the med school. I did that. Of course, I decided really quick that I wanted to be a pediatrician. When I was doing my last year fellow, I remember that I took a patient with me because my boss told me to to cardiology. And there, one of my colleagues now received me with this patient, and he started to throw very pointy questions about cardiology. And I started to answer them, and I was happy with it. So he mentioned the possibility of doing cardiology. I never thought about it, but I really liked it. So I decided to go for it. I did the exam. Everything went well. I had the best grade, and I started to enjoy a lot the Pediatric Cardiology Fellowship. I started to see that I really liked the procedures. I really liked the ECG. I don't know why, <laughs> but I liked it. So my boss at that time was Dr. Fyron, and he was trained in Toronto. So he mentioned the possibility of doing electrophysiology. I didn't know what it was. So I started to read more about electrophysiologists, and then I realized that it was probably the thing in cardiology that I really liked the most, arrhythmias, ECGs, ablations. And I got an interview in Toronto at SickKids with these amazing people there, and they thought that I was a good candidate. They thought that they would make more difference training a person from outside Canada or United States than doing that, you know. So actually they did. They took me in and I did my fellowship there. I met many people when I was there, including Gil Wernowski. He's probably one of the doctors that I admired the most and then many other people. And their journey started there. And that's about it. I mean, that's probably the longest history about becoming a doctor that you might hear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, but you're so specialized. It takes a while to go through all of it because you're not just a pediatrician. You're not just a cardiologist. You're not just an electrophysiologist. You're the whole package, and that (laughs) takes some time. So how many years did you study before you started practicing? Well, it will be around 12 years. Wow, that's a lot of dedication. 12 years. That's amazing. 
what advice would you give to other people who are considering becoming a pediatric cardiologist or an electrophysiologist? Wow, it's, um, it's a great journey. It's a great experience. Our patients are probably the more special patients ever. If I were born again, I would do exactly the same thing. I cannot imagine myself doing something else. I love what I do. I love pediatric cardiologists. I love pediatrics even. And of course, I am in love with my specialty. Electrophysiology is probably the tool that gave me the opportunity to see the world, to meet many, many, many amazing people everywhere. I've been to many countries. I've been working with amazing cardiologists, intensivists, surgeons, nurses. I met many, many amazing, great people through these specialties. So I will encourage everybody, if this is what you like, don't think about it too much. Just go for it. <laughs> I love that advice. Just go for it. Well, we need to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners, because coming up next, we're going to talk to Armando about some of his other passions. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is CHDs Around the Globe, Costa Rica, and we are talking with Dr. Armando Alfaro Ramirez. This is a fabulous pediatric cardiologist and electrophysiologist. I just loved reading about all of your music endeavors. And I had a chance to hear a few members of the band that you belong to when we were in Miami. And that was so much fun, the Baby Blue Sound Collective. So tell me how your love of music brought you together with all of these other doctors and why you do what you do. This is an interesting question because I really like many, many things, as you can see in my pictures, Anna. So one of the things that I really liked since I remember was music. I am coming from a family of musicians. So I learned to play a little bit of guitar when I was 15 years old. An uncle told me how to. And I started to take lessons from time to time. And I ran into... Dr. Gil Burnowski in one meeting, I remember, I think it was in 2005 in Orlando. So they decided they wanted to play. Gil Burnowski is an extremely talented piano player. He played along with Tom Carr, a great surgeon, and with other guys there. So I thought I really wanted to do it. So a couple of years later, after my training in 2010, I think, we had a meeting in Arizona, so I decided to tell Gil that I wanted to play with them. So they created this band called the Baby Blue Sound Collective, along with many, many other surgeons, nurses, doctors from everywhere. So we are around 30 to 40 different specialty professionals in healthcare that are part of this band. So that's how it started. Last time I did it, it was a long time ago. I should go back to do all of this because it's really fun and it's great. I think it's a great opportunity to give something else. It is. And they have a Facebook page. So if any of you are interested in looking at it, it's www.facebook.com 
slash baby blues sound collective no spaces just type the whole thing and you will see their facebook page it really is quite amazing can you tell me some of the groups that they sponsor because i know that they give the money from the proceeds of the sales of their music to some of the different heart groups yeah i know that they have an association with two or three groups. All of them are related with congenital heart disease. The person to reach will be actually Dr. Gilwernowski, who is the genius behind all of this. And actually, in the page, you can find those foundations there. But they also have a channel on YouTube as well, and, and you can find it with the same name, the Baby Blue Sound Collect. You're right. You're right. I did get a chance to hear some. It was so much more fun to actually be there in person when we were in Miami. Several of the doctors came together and one was singing and Gil was on the keyboard. It was so much fun to listen to. So that takes me to the next group that you've been working with, and that is the Surgeons of Hope and Heart Trust. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Well, it all started with some help that we needed. Some years ago here in Costa Rica, we had this transformation inside of the cardiovascular service in terms of changing the way that we were doing things in the past. So we had this mortality rate that it was higher than we wanted to be. So everything changed. So along with Great people from outside of Costa Rica, like Dr. Da Cruz. Dr. Da Cruz is a pediatric cardiologist. He's Costa Rican, but he did his training around the world pretty much, like in Switzerland and in other places in Europe. And also, he was hiring in Denver Children's Hospital. So he helped us to rebuild our hospital. And actually, we did it. And the other people that we reached was Surgeons of Hope and, and Heart Trust. They helped us a lot. They came with amazing nurses. They came back with anesthetists. And they brought us some of the best surgeons in the United States. So they did three or four missions in four or three different years. So we worked along with them here. And we started to create this partnership with them. So this will be probably the fifth year that we will be working with them. And we're looking forward to go some other places in the area to help them to rebuild their programs as well. So it's been great. That is absolutely wonderful. And as you were mentioning, it's so much more than just the pediatric cardiologist. For these kids to survive, we do need the nurses to be trained, the intensivists, the anesthesiologists. I mean, there are so many different professionals who touch the lives of these children. And if there's a problem in any one of those areas, it can affect the mortality rate. That is correct, Anna. So thanks to these guys, we started to look things differently. We brought professionals in different areas to help us with everybody. So we changed everything. So the mortality rate here is around 3%, which is great. We have never had those numbers before. So we are very happy about it. And since I remember, we started to have these results thanks to these guys, thanks to Heart Trust and thanks to Surgeons of Hope. They have been working with us for a long time. I just love that. That's so positive, and it's so uplifting to hear how everybody in this community is pulling together to help all of these children. And that's what I have witnessed in the 20 years that I've been involved in the heart community as a parent and as an advocate, is that this is a very tight network. And even though we're all across the globe, 
people know everybody. It's really quite fascinating when you go to the conferences and you're from Costa Rica and yet you knew Gil. He had been in Philadelphia for a while and yet you know doctors in Canada from having trained in Canada. It really is a worldwide community. It is, and it's a small world. The congenital heart disease world is a small world. And imagine my electrophysiology world is smaller than that. Um, yeah, so actually I remember to go to Jamaica once as well with another foundation that Jeff Jacobs has. Dr. Jeff Jacobs is one of the surgeons in Tampa, a great surgeon, great person. And he took me in one of his trips. He goes every year to Jamaica because in Jamaica there is only one cardiovascular surgeon, Gerard Little. And it's very difficult for him to do all the surgeries that they need to practice in Jamaica. So they go there and they took me in once as well. So it's a great world and it's a small world. And I'm really, really happy and very honored to be part of it. I know. I feel like if my child had to have something wrong, in a way, I'm glad it was a heart defect because all of the professionals that I have met in the heart community are just like you, Armando. They love what they do. They love helping the children. They're so dedicated and devoted. And I think that's why my son has done so well. He beat the odds time and again. Nobody can believe that he is 21. Who knows the rough time he had at the beginning of his life? So that takes me to my last question. I can't believe how quickly the time has gone, but what advice do you have for parents like me who have a child with a congenital heart defect and maybe they find out in utero, but more than likely, just like me, they don't find out until after the child is born. What advice do you have for those parents? That is probably one of the hardest things that my profession has. It's not fun to give not very great news to parents. I think that it's better when the baby is in the womb to give advice to these parents and to make a plan once the kid is born. But sometimes, or most of the time, is facing these parents with this newborn baby and very ill. It's very difficult. What we do is we spend time talking to these parents, to these families, explaining all what we are going to do, all the things that are there, and making a special mention to the things that we haven't discovered yet, things that are in the future and things that are getting better and better every day. I prefer to give them this type of input. You never know, as you mentioned. I like to beat the odds. I really like to. So... All the messages that we give to the parents that we have is positive. It's better to fight in a battle than not to. That's why I think our patients are really, really special because fighting with these types of diseases is not easy at all. And it's not easy at all for us even. So imagine all of the things that they might be facing. So, of course, we would like to have more diagnoses in utero. We would like to have that so we can prepare the parents a little bit more to take this battle. We are working on it. We have three great guys doing that. But even here in Costa Rica, that we have only 5 million people, it's difficult to get all of these moms to get preferred at time to our facility. And as I mentioned, if we do that, we need to see how we will be doing it because there are going to be many, many, many pregnant women in our door and I'm not sure if we are going to be able to see them all at time. So we have many things to do, but we're working on it and I am pretty sure that we are going to accomplish that. That's wonderful. That's such good news. And I love the fact that you all are aware that 
as you do start to make more of these in utero diagnoses, you're going to need more professionals to work with them. That moves up the number of high-risk pregnancy doctors you're going to need. And who knows, maybe that will be the impetus for you to get another children's hospital in Costa Rica. What do you think? That is correct. Actually, I'm thinking that we might need that. Uh, sooner than later, yes. And our system is not perfect at all. Imagine that the government long time ago decided that the children's hospital is for kids younger than 13 years old. So what about the adolescents? I mean, they are supposed to be sent to an adult facility once they reach 13 years old. So what I'm saying is that we need to make many, many changes. And of course, one of those is to have a better hospital bigger hospital with the capacity of receiving more children, including the children between 13 years old and 18 years old, at least. Well, it sounds like your work isn't over when you're done doing ablations and ECG. appreciate you giving me your time today to not only do this interview in English, but to also talk with Marta here in a little bit in Spanish, so our Spanish-speaking heart community members also have the advantage of hearing you. Thank you so much for coming on this show today, Armando. Anna, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been an honor. I'm pretty happy to do this. I'm more than happy. It's great. The fact that you try to do this in Spanish and English is more than enough for me to get on board. So I'll be on board anytime. So just let me know. Well, good. I hope to have you back in the future and we can talk about what you're doing with those adolescent and adult survivors because I have a feeling that in the future you're going to have some new things to report to me. I hope that, Anna, and I'll be happy to come back. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you. And that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time for a brand new episode. Please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. And please share this information about the radio show with others so that they too can get this wonderful information that we are getting today, even Spanish speakers in our community. Don't forget to check out the surgeonsofhope.org website and the Baby Blue Sound Collective. You won't be disappointed. We know that congenital heart defects touch people all over the globe, but remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week. Music.